Hello and welcome to the Fresh Thoughts Podcast. I'm John Maver and with me today are Cappy Pop. Hi John, what's going on? And Zachary Chastain. Hey John, how's it going? Our guest today is Jazz Dollywall, who is the Director of Customer Care, Social Service, and Social Care at ABG Technologies. Hi Jazz, how are you? I'm good John, how are you? Great. Let's get this thing started. Thanks for coming today. So we're going to talk today about all your work with AVG Support Center. So uh, last year in 2015, AVG took a step to help to maximize the uh, the community efforts that we have with our with our customers, but also to see how we can provide a better way to engage and interact with our customers who require support. So uh, previously to that, we used to have, uh, like many companies um, in our space, uh, FAQ pages. So if a customer had a, a query regarding a product or a service, they could go to one of our many FAQ pages and find information uh, to help them. But what we found was is that even though there was a lot of demand for those, um, the way they were organized uh, wasn't always quite the best way and it sometimes took a while for people to find the information that they needed. So we, we took uh, a few steps back and, and back to the sort of drawing board to look at how could we make uh, the experience better for our community of users, our customers, our partners, uh, both on the consumer and the business side and really build a robust uh, platform uh, which would help to uh, meet the needs of uh, a wide variety of audiences. Were you using uh, some metrics to determine that that it wasn't working with the FAQ pages? Or how did you how did you know there was a problem? So we it's actually twofold. We knew from our own uh, in-house sort of analytics based on the Adobe Omniture platform to see what the demand was like, uh, where the where the drop off was, also uh, in terms of people coming in, but just also just general feedback we would receive from customers, um, whether it be through email or whether it would be just uh, to us to our support agents on the phone that the way. Um, they found the information there wasn't really working to their needs. So we had feedback from external customers, but also quite a big audience for us is also our internal uh, customer care team. Um, and they would also use it to help customers on the phone. And, and, you know, so we took feedback from them too. And in terms of your overall customer care, what percentage of traffic or what percentage of uh, support did the FAQ portion take? So the view is in most cases for most companies is that if you have a phone line, most of uh, your customers will tend to ring the phone lines. Um, but, you know, in a in, a, in a, an environment which is now fast moving, um, the the view of actually providing resources that people can self-help themselves. Um, if you remember the, the, the good old days, John, where we had software products and you would press F1 on the keyboard and you would bring up the help menu. And if you had a basic set of questions, you could look within the help menu within a product back in the early 90s. Uh, yeah, when people had technical writers, right? Right. Like when people actually wrote help files. <laughs> yes. So the view that um, for a particular audience, they could easily find uh, and search uh, the answers to those to their questions that they had uh, was something that's not lost on a lot of us. And now we don't really use uh, help within products anymore. We navigate to the web. So whether people are searching for uh, support directly from Google or from a particular place, we wanted to uh, latch into that. And so the original view that we had was that providing this kind of support center would effectively reduce the number of calls that's coming into David G's customer care. But what we found over the course of the year is that 
um, call volumes are still the same. In, in fact, they're, they're, they are still incrementally growing. But the support center and the traffic that we brought to the support center have tapped into a whole bunch uh, of people that we didn't even know had a problem before in the sense that uh, this was an easier method for them to, to get the support that they needed. So we tapped into a new audience effectively. So that's interesting. So what is, I mean, obviously without metrics to back this, you don't know, but what do you think these people were doing in the past? Were they just unhappy? Are they just like, I have no idea how to get support, so I'm not going to? Because if if it's a net increase of a channel you weren't using, that's what it feels like it would be. I think what's happened over the last couple of years is that, um, uh, you know, whether it be social media through Facebook or Twitter or whether it be um you know, just general sort of uh, websites or forums, uh, a lot of people would tend to go uh, to other sites to look for help. And there's a multitude, you know, whether companies have official forums or uh, enthusiasts have set up their own forums, there's ways and methods where people would try to get support uh, or at least help from others. And so the tools and technologies have, have, have made it possible now for a lot of firms and companies to uh, help to bring all that together and, you know, answer particular questions and, and make resources available for those who really need it. So it's those type of people, I think, that we've uh, really attracted and uh, brought on board. I think in the past, yeah, it's hard to sort of say. I think some people would try it by phone or uh, try to see who else could help them. But they were makes certainly sense. unserved. That makes sense. So you were saying you went back to the drawing board with the process. How did you go about evaluating what you needed next? So once we sort of had the, uh, we made the decision that we do want to revamp the frequently asked questions, the FAQ pages we had, uh, the the discussion then was like, well, who, uh, what type of audience do we want to serve? So it was very, very early on decided that we would, we want to certainly serve our consumer audience across the wide range of products that we have and uh, also build in uh, contingency for forthcoming products. So that was quite straightforward in terms of what we were sort of looking to provide. The, the other bits that came on was that the fact that um, AVG has its business side as well, which uh, we have a wide range of business products that we also wanted to consolidate. Now, they did not have any FAQs or anything in the past. So bringing their products into the mix as well, um, both within business products and also for our partner-based products as well, uh, was one of the key aspects uh, to tidy everything together into one uh, platform and one bundle effectively. So... The, the, the stage, once we decided of what were the audiences we wanted to serve, uh, we looked at a lot of what the other companies in our space were doing and how are they providing any kind of resource center or support center or even knowledge base uh, uh, effectively to see what was really working. And what we found in a lot of our research, both not only in our sort of segment in security, but also um, other companies, telecoms, for example, uh, TV companies and so on, that uh, the experience uh, varies. So some of them will focus very much on very kind of what I would call old school technical based articles. Um, they weren't very pleasing to look at or to use. And uh, so we decided that that's not the approach that we wanted to take. We wanted to make sure that uh, we would be able to provide a clean, easy to use interface. Um, so we spent as probably as much time uh, thinking about the content that we we're going to make available uh, as also the, the user experience. So how many clicks would it take? How easy it would be to find information? How do we categorize that information? So we thought long and hard, and that's where we worked um, hand in hand with our user experience team to make sure that the uh, 
end result and experience was as simple and seamless as possible. Were there any standout companies in your research that really did this well? Uh, it's interesting. I think that over the years, uh, traditional companies such as Microsoft and and also companies like Apple have started to evolve their platforms. And I think it's very interesting to see what they're doing in their space. Um, but, you know, would be, I think you would be surprised that, uh, you know, we looked at a lot of telecoms companies, both in the US and in Canada, and the experience in some cases uh, may look nice, but it's not really functional. It doesn't really work. Whereas in some other areas, uh, it doesn't really look uh, and easy to use, but they have a lot of the information you require. So there's a there's no real balance. So I think those are the ones that I would say we, we looked at. We also looked at car companies, um, a wide variety of, uh, of uh, consumer um, uh, companies and also sort of uh, other sort of areas just to sort of see uh, what's available. And how did you settle on Salesforce as a technology versus building your own tool? Great question. So as I'd mentioned that the FAQs were originally on our existing web platform, and that was pretty straightforward uh, for us to update. Um, there were a series of web pages that you would just easily uh, edit and put new links to, um, but that doesn't really scale, doesn't really work well. And search was going to be a problem for us to to go down that route. So we looked at a number of different options that were available in the market and uh, we had already worked with Salesforce uh, with our community account cloud space solution in the past. And um, what we looked at was that there were opportunities to extend the work that was done within Community Cloud and uh, the platform is so great that you can build anything you want on top of it. And uh, we looked for a number of things where we wanted, with the amount of traffic that we were already getting and, and the, the traffic that we were predicting for the future, that we needed something that was going to be scalable um, and robust to meet those needs of customers. So Salesforce kind of ticked all those boxes for us uh, and the expertise we also had in-house as well and also in, um, in partnership we work with them. So um, scalability, robustness, um, you know, there's always on functionality uh, and they're a trusted provider in the space. All of these kind of wrapped up and helped us to make the decision to move forward with Salesforce. Mm. And you're already using them for other aspects of your business. So that made it a lot easier as well, right? Yeah. So our salespeople very much use the sales cloud. And so, you know, once you see the benefits of using some of these technologies, uh, it kind of makes sense to see how you can integrate that to other areas in your business. That's cool. Um, so when users are using the service itself, what's the experience they get? Like I know you had mentioned to us before that you have multiple different logon options, Facebook login versus email signup. Could you comment on that? I'm curious because social login has been sort of a huge push in the industry in the last, let's say, three to four years. Um, what's your experience with that? Like what percentage of people are using social login as opposed to email to sign up for this or to actually see the see the content on your community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned, when we went to the drawing board, back to the drawing board to look at how we were going to build the support center um, and more importantly, also offer uh, an easy entry path into our community space effectively, which is kind of the replacement also for forums. We looked at how seamless are we going to sort of make it. And a few years ago, many years ago now, I think, um, social logins, as you say, were being promoted by the likes of Facebook and Google, right. uh, pretty much as single sign-on entities. So the idea being that, you know, you're, you already got a Facebook account or a Gmail account and you're logged into the system, uh, those credentials are automatically transferred uh, when you log on to a sort of a new site. So we we wanted to 
to also be part of that as well because it kind of made sense. But what we found uh, over the last uh, year or so is that the actual social login experience um, was hard to use at all. So um, we find from our own sort of metrics that I would say less than 2% now are actually using social logins as a method to log into the support center the, um, for, for the, uh, the community experience. Wow, that's really low. I would have thought it would have been... Much higher than that. That's interesting. Well, that's probably an advantage to your business, though, because people that log in with an email address, you can tie back to their actual software, right? Yes, absolutely. So when you have uh, purchased one of our our uh, sort of main paid products, you are registering with an email address, and so we highly encourage that you use that same email address for other services, particularly support. So if you can tie back an email address to a customer, you can see what their purchases have been. You can also see the type of support that they received. And uh, and I think the world today is a different place to what it was a few years ago. Um, places like Amazon for purchasing, for example, still rely very much on email addresses. We still log into our email using an email address. Um, so I think general consumers and uh, people alike are used to using that as a uh, as an identifier to, to log into anywhere. Well, it's also very usable for you guys for, um, I assume, email marketing too. I mean, you're going to have an email address that you can target people with for other campaigns if you'd like, which you're not going to get the same with social login. Yeah, I think that uh, the, the promise of social logins a few years ago uh, did offer the opportunity to um, upsell and cross-sell products to your audience on social media. And I think to a certain extent, you know, a lot of companies have tried that and, and, and they've had relative amount of success, some of them. But I think that having the power of, uh, of an email address and, and having the option, the permission for people to, you know, to have that marketing sent to them is, is also important. We care deeply about the privacy of our users. So we want to also make it transparent and easy as possible that if you don't want it, you can opt out. And we provide a number of mechanisms within our own My Account system to to uh, to remove some of the options for that. But at the end of the day, the end user has the full control where I think on the, on the social login side uh, and uh, through social media, the control is there, but it's a lot harder to find and, uh, right. and to remove. Makes sense. You you had also mentioned um, as part of this, as part of you tracking metrics to figure this out for social login. What on that note, like what other types of metrics are you using to track the success of this program, especially now that you've discovered an entire channel that you didn't know existed of people that are looking for support? How are you tracking the success of this? Right. So as I mentioned earlier, under the old sort of uh, the website and the FAQs, we use Adobe, Adobe's Omniture platform. And really uh, looking at the metrics from that, I found and, and the team found that they were very, very granular in some areas, which... Uh, we're good for, uh, I would say, tracking conversions because our website is also used as a as a method to to convert users to to buy products. Right. Um, but for the level of information that we really require from support and to really understand the the types of users, we found that uh, using Google Analytics helped us a lot. And I can talk a little bit about. Um, what we kind of measure there, yeah, but also, cool. yeah. Um, so Google Analytics is, is one of the main tools that we use, but also we've got a number of um, ho- homegrown tools uh, on the back end to help display some of the information. So when you talk about metrics and what we measure, 
uh, we look at a couple of things. We look at uh, something called GOS, which is uh, greater service. And this is the the actual count that uh, how long it takes for a member of the team uh, to help help a customer, support a customer. So we have KPIs in place um, to meet those timelines and those deadlines. And we also measure uh, effectiveness. So the support center itself houses uh, our knowledge base. And uh, within the knowledge base itself, you can vote on articles that's uh, whether they're, they're helping you or they're not helping you. And you can uh, fill in certain sections to say what's not working for you. Is the article more accurate? Is it out of date? Is there some, some other kind of issue? And you can provide feedback on that. So we collect those type of uh, uh, metrics as well. So to learn more about what our customers are thinking and feeling. And again, that feedback helps to to make a better product uh, for a better service from our side. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, interesting, especially that you're using um, Google Analytics in conjunction or with Omniture, because I've found in the past that Omniture gives you, as you say, very granular metrics. It'll give you everything you want, but actually getting it to give you exactly what you need is a totally different animal where Google Analytics tends to be a lot clearer and a lot easier to implement. Yeah, I think it's nice to be able to look at two sets of, of tools as well, just to see um, what they're sort of seeing and what they're finding. And I think for us, what we tend to look at is more is trends as well. So I don't really want to put all of our eggs into one basket for a measuring tool. It's nice right. to sort of compare either. So from a, a Google Analytics perspective, we look at views, we look at users, as you'd expect. Uh, we also look at the, the amount of traffic that we're getting, whether it be through direct. And we get a majority of our direct traffic directly from within the product, as you can imagine. So the help section within each of our products will take you to the support center. Um, we closely monitor organic traffic traffic and also referrals um, such as third-party sites or from social also we'll, we'll also look at as well to see how much traffic we're getting from there. And typically we look at views and page views on articles um, comparing month by month. So what is the top article um, that's being seen by customers, uh, but also looking at how, how much they are spending time on those articles. So what is the average time on the page? And so this gives us an indication whether uh, the article is too long or too short or, uh, you know, it's, it's not meeting the need that they have or did they find or did they click on the wrong article, for example. So this gives us some idea. Um, so we look at those as well. We take the feedback from this and take it back to our engineering and internal teams uh, to discuss matters further. So, for example, if someone's having a particular issue, um, we can we have the data, we have the analysis, we have the insight that we can then take directly back to our product and engineering teams. Oh, that's cool. Sounds amazing. Yeah. So what relationship have you seen between self-service and social? Like I know you said that you discovered this whole new audience that uh, you didn't really have before. Have you seen an increase in uh, like self-service lead to a decrease in social or has that remained the same or growing? How's that playing out? Right. So my background uh, is in social media um, and particularly uh, how to sort of build community effectively uh, for brands. And one of the things that I learned very, very early on is, is that when you provide uh, an infrastructure or environment for uh, community building, you will you get a lot of benefits from community. So engagement with the brand, but also you'll find that there will be a certain percentage of people that may come to need help with your product as well. So what we decided to do with social care was to examine that uh, aspect and build that out further is how do we effectively provide a really uh, good solution for those guys. And so uh, 
with the advent of social media, um, as many brands have found, is that uh, Twitter has been a, a great channel for uh, engagement from a one-to-one engagement perspective for getting help. Um, a lot of brands tend to find that uh, if customers can't get hold of them, whether it be through phone or by email, uh, if they have a, uh, a Twitter presence, for example, they find that a lot of incoming requests come in there. So we decided to take that uh, that learning and actually be proactive. So from our Twitter accounts uh, that we have at AVG, we will proactively help customers and we have the, the pipeline built back into Salesforce. So when a customer tweets us directly, it creates a Salesforce case and then we can decide whether this is a, a support related issue or do we need to push it to marketing and the marketing team will deal with with those particular posts so we take it very seriously we do a lot of uh, uh, looking into what traffic we're getting but um, it's the it's the the social media uh, I would say people who are using that on Facebook and Twitter who have grown as you know as the as the as our social presence has grown are the ones that uh, get the most value of of uh, social care so we're able to provide and help their questions in real time and in many cases where it's a, if it's a quick fix we can uh, send them a link to a knowledge base article and how did the community gurus work so the community gurus uh, are a series of volunteers that uh, live in our community and their kind of job really is to uh, see where they can help. And so in many cases, we have our our support teams that will provide support-based uh, help. But in general, what, tends, what we tend to find is that uh, customers are interesting. Some of them will have a direct issue and they'll tell you what it is. Whereas in many cases, what happens is they just, uh, many of our customers just want someone to talk to. So they get the opportunity to to talk to our community gurus and really discover what the, uh, you know, what their kind of issue really is. And then they direct it towards uh, support. So they help to uh, unpack some of these uh, uh, questions early on and uh, direct them to our internal teams as required. They also provide uh, a great deal of information in terms of feedback for products as well. How does someone become a community guru? Uh, there's no uh, real uh, way, I would say. I think what tends to happen is is that if you're active within the community, um, within our uh, support dot com well support.avg.com slash answers community uh, as you join and as you're seen to be helping customers uh, or just being sort of curious and helping out there you you sort of become known and uh, you know with our team that's there it's uh, if you're if you're working with an sort of expectation and helping us then we know we're more likely to reach out to you and uh, have further discussions with you so that's that's really interesting because i know that's like the holy grail for a lot of brands to find these gurus what are what have you found to be like the training time do you have to ramp these people up or are they already knowledgeable by the time they're contributing that you don't have to incur that front-loaded cost of training them it's a great question um uh, Cappy, I think that it really depends on the time and uh, the sort of direction of the brand itself. Many brands will have passionate uh, people who are loyal supporters, who are effectively advocates for the brand. And um, and while that passion and advocacy is great, uh, you need a method or need a way to be able to engage uh, and communicate with these people to make sure that they're able to represent the brand that you want 
it to be. So well, what I mean by that is, is, you know, certain people will be very passionate about one or two things, but they may not be interested in other aspects of the brand. So you want to be able to provide them with as much information as possible, give them uh, access to your internal people and really build that trust and, and conversation. So they may come in and be passionate just by mobile products, for example, but you may be able to, in your dialogue, to get them interested in uh, in, other, in other aspects. So they become more fully uh, featured and rounded in terms of your company's product offerings. That makes sense. Do you have to incentivize them to uh contribute or is this something they're doing just on their own? I think that, um, you know, we don't have, I would say, formal incentive programs in place. We do, uh, we do have incentives for, uh, for example, like a, a bug bounty uh program where right. uh, members of the community who do find bugs or issues in our products, uh, you know, we will reward and recognize those who uh, find the most critical ones. And uh, so that's a, that's a big thing for us. Um, but I would say that uh, where we are now is more of a case-by-case example. And, and really, we, we, we look for people who are going to be really active and who are really, really supportive. And, you know, we, we treat it by a case-by-case uh, example. So, you know, in the past, we've given a lot of swag to, to uh, community members um, and uh, they appreciate that. I'm sure. Everyone loves swag. Jess, since rolling this out, you've seen a massive increase in, in overall satisfaction. How are you measuring that and what do you think causes the majority of the happiness? So um, with the with the implementation of Salesforce uh, for our community cloud offerings and basing the support center and within the knowledge base within that, we've seen a huge increase from uh, our FAQs prior um, to pretty much an 85% increase in self-service. And uh, we, as part of our general process, we survey our customers on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis and yearly basis as well. And what we found is that uh, you know, we've seen a 20-point increase in our uh, Net Promoter Score. Uh, and in terms of recommendation, how they find uh, the support center in use. And so that's been huge for us. So we do these uh, studies uh, every so often just to make sure that we are getting the feedback, that we are on track. And more importantly, we're providing services that our customers enjoy using and, and find easy to use. So the uh, the case study mentions that you're still leveraging the knowledge base articles. What's changed that makes them more effective now? Great question, Zach. So the the knowledge base articles um, or the FAQs that we had before were, I would say, very first generation. And what I mean by that is that they were very um, text-based orientated. And with the advent of things like uh, YouTube and video, we're now able to make knowledge base articles become more full-featured and rich. So the web now allows rich text formatting uh, so we can actually make certain parts of articles stand out more. We can embed video, uh, put how-to content in there. So these knowledge base articles now begin to grow and begin to evolve. And whether you are a, uh, a person who just likes to read off the screen or wants to be able to print, or whether you're somebody who just wants to watch a video, um, the, the articles now take a new life for that. So we really, really deep embed engagement directly into these articles. 
And uh, for our social media community, whether they be on Facebook or Twitter, we're able to provide links directly. So for, for those, they want a quick access uh, to support uh, in, a, in a rich format and they're able to look at that information at the time that suits them. So in, in much in our on-demand culture, uh, you can pull that article, you can bookmark it, you can watch the video whenever it makes sense for you. So that's kind of how that uh, that uh, that link's been built. That's great. That's a big step up from just your average text-based FAQ. Right. So, Jazz, it all sounds really excellent. It's you've had massive success, rolled out a new program, tapped an audience you didn't know existed. So, simply put, what's next? What are you guys trying to accomplish with this? So, what's next for us? I think it's a case of really. Um, not sort of standing still, absolutely. We're looking uh, deeply into our sort of reports and analytics to see where the trends are and provide new ways uh, for provide deeper integration. So we may look at uh, providing some of the knowledge base articles within internal portals uh, for our internal teams. We're also thinking about how we can start to embed some of the, the, the support center materials into directing some of our web-based products as well. So it's more of an evolution, I think, as, as the next step um, really led by what the, the data is telling us and what our customers are telling us. That makes sense. That sounds really cool. Like think about you're having a problem and so you click the help and instead of having to go to a website, like a video pops up that explains how to fix it. Yeah, I tend to, um, in my research, I've seen a lot of companies do a fantastic job of gathering data and metrics and analysis. And I think that I remember when I started in my journey a good few years ago, trying to find the right tool or the holy grail of just finding the one metrics tool that does everything uh, was the dream. And what I've come to learn over the years is that one tool doesn't necessarily do it all uh, in terms of answering the business questions that you need to to answer. Um but, you know, I think collecting the data is one thing, but actually turning that data into insight and actually taking something which is actionable to different product teams and different teams within the company, I think is hugely valuable. So, um, you know, from our side, it's more of how, you know, how we how we measure our teams is very much on what is the deliverable insight, what uh, collecting the data is one thing, but what actually positive positively changed by the basis of what you've learned uh, is the is the, the key way forward. Well, it seems like you've done a really good job with this rollout and that both you, the company AVG, and the customers are really benefiting. And uh, Salesforce seems to be pretty pleased with your implementation as well. <laughs> Not seems, John. They love it. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> they love it. Excellent. Case study time. <laughs> It was, um, uh, it was interesting because when we had the phone call, they said we want to do the case study. So it was much like a chat like this. And uh, they pulled out all this sort of stuff. And I was like, did I already say that? Yeah, I did. I guess I did. So it's amazing <laughs> what happens on a phone call. Well, that's great. Well, great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast this week, Jazz. We appreciate your time and your insights. And I guess best of luck with your future work on this social customer care stuff. Thank you for the opportunity, John, Cappy, and Zach. Thank you. You right. are welcome. Thanks yeah. for coming. You've been listening to the Fresh Thoughts podcast from Thought Labs. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you consume your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Thought Labs. And thanks for listening. <laughs>